Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Successes Within Reach podcast, season two, episode 10, Finance and Credit Conversations with Jay Allen. Uh, for those that are new to the podcast, um, each um, week we have, well, each month we have uh, Jay Allen come on and he is a a certified credit and finance specialist. He's an author and also a serial entrepreneur. Uh, he comes in, drops crazy, crazy gems, uh, giving everybody, you know, um, resources to building their credit, um, selecting the proper credit cards, budgeting, finance, uh, and the whole nine yards. So at this time, I want to bring him to the stage, Mr. Allen. Mr. Allen, how you doing, sir? Man, phenomenal, Shannon. How you doing, man? All right, bless, <clears throat> sir. Bless. All right. And before we get started, everybody, I want to remind you, you can join in the conversation and submit your questions and comments at www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. Once again, www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. Um, we also want to remind you um, that you can drop your questions and comments in the box. We'll do our best to get to them uh, during the show. So sit back, grab your notebook, grab an ink pen and let's get it. All right. So first question I have for you, uh, what are the proper steps to take if your credit has been compromised? You know, a lot of people fall victim, unfortunately, to, you know, identity theft and fraud and things of that nature. Uh, so what are the proper steps that they should take if their credit has been compromised? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Shannon, uh, especially now during the pandemic. People are pulling all types of scams, um, unemployment fraud, um, unemployment insurance fraud. Uh, people getting their mail stolen and things like that. So this is kind of a long list of things that you want to do based on your situation. But I'm going to also give you the information and then give you the resources of uh, where you can find it. So first thing you want to do is notify all the creditors that are affected. You know, so the Bank of America, the Wells Fargo's, let your bank know as well, because if someone has your social security number, they can do a lot of stuff. You know what I'm saying? With, with, with that information by itself. You want to put a fraud alert on your credit report. All right. Um, this lets other creditors know that you have been a victim of fraud and it helps you as well. If you file a police report, um, the fraud alert does last one year, but you can renew it if, if need be. Number three, you want to pull your report. So the good thing about the fraud alert is that when you do have a fraud alert on your report, you do get access to a free credit report. All right. Um, so speaking of free credit report, I think I announced last year that annualcreditreport.com is allowing consumers to pull their credit weekly. And um, that was up until uh, April of this year where they just renewed it due to COVID. So now uh, consumers can pull their credit on a weekly basis for free on annualcreditreport.com. And I make that mention because the key to identity theft or stopping it or slowing down the 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 damage is being aware of what's in your credit report at all times. Mm -hmm. so, so so being always being abreast of what's on there, so there are no surprises to you. Uh, next, you want to put a freeze 
on your credit report. This uh, this this allows any creditor to pull your credit for any purpose at all in, in regards to lending or loans or things of that nature. All right. Um, you want to file with the uh, Federal Trade Commission at uh, FTC.gov uh, or really you can go to identitytheft.gov. All right. That's going to give you what they call a recovery plan. It's going to list all, everything I'm naming right now. It's going to list all of those resources, and all those steps to, to take place right there um, for you. So once again, identitytheft.gov, based upon the severity, based on what has been stolen and compromised, you may also want to file a police report. And you want to use your FTC report when you file your police report and give them that information from the FTC as well. And you also want to create a, an account with the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission as well. So you can always check your progress in that space. All right. Um, and then also, you know, uh, some small caveats, change your passwords. You know, if you were compromised through email or breach, change your passwords um, and, and replace whatever was stolen. You know, uh, and also, if you have things on your credit now as a result of being a victim of identity theft, Go ahead and start making the uh, the progress towards getting those things removed. Um, some companies like Privacy Armor or LifeLock they provide identity theft insurance. Um, um, one of my Mike is funny. <laughs> hey, I'm learning, Mike. <laughs> Shannon got me on game, man. Shannon got me on game. <laughs> but uh, uh, my thought, man. Uh, the last thing you want to do is, is definitely. Uh, I said file a police report and then change passwords and then, oh yeah, repair your credit. So if you, if you have things on your credit that are now showing negative as a result of someone else's doing, um, you definitely want to file your report. And, and I, I say this too, I have a, a business partner who had her credit stolen by a family member. They worked at the bank oh, um, wow. where, where she did business and they stole her credit. So you just, you just never know what could happen. You know, people are can be ruthless in their respect. And here's one I, I found early as well. Um, contact the utility companies, you know, contact the, the uh, utility companies as well, because people might try to get lights in your name. You know what I'm saying? Um, my company, um, we actually have a partnership with Privacy Armor. And one thing that Privacy Armor offers, which is very similar to, to, to uh, like a LifeLock, Privacy Armor offers you a million dollars worth of coverage for identity theft because identity theft getting it fixed can be expensive so they mm -hmm. offer you a million bucks uh to get that fixed uh help you get it fixed on top of that they're retroactive so which means if you sign up today with my company and you're a victim you're a victim prior to signing up we go back two years to cover you uh for that insurance Oh, that's what's up. Yeah. So that was a long list of things. Like I said, identitytheft.gov is going to outline all that for you through all the steps as well. If you can't remember that list. That's what's up. Ladies and gentlemen, like I told you, pull out your ink pens and your notepads because he's going to be dropping gems this whole episode. And Shannon, let me all say right. this too, man. Um, uh -huh. uh, I, I think you mentioned it in, in, in the intro. Um, I've been there lending for 15 years. That, that was my introduction the finance and i'm gonna tell you mm. like this as a, from a lender's perspective if you are a victim of identity theft we care but we can't i, I can't make i make decisions on facts and data i have to I have to mitigate risk 
based on facts and data. So if you're telling me mm -hmm. that your, your identity was stolen and these these negative items are not yours, I can't approve you still. You have to get these things oh, wow. removed. You have to get them. I can't just take your word for it. Even with even with the police report, you know, credit repair is going to be the best thing you can do to get them removed off of your credit profile. Oh man, that's that's interesting. So even with them having all of the letters, the police report, um, everything with the FTC and the whole nine yards, you still can't say, okay, obviously this person has been a victim of fraud or identity theft. Um, let's make this decision based on everything but these couple of items. You still right. have to take the totality of the whole report. Yeah, because someone making the police report, someone filing fraud doesn't mean that they're telling the truth. Uh, so some people use fake police reports to clean credit and that's a whole different conversation so uh, you have to, okay you have to ensure that they're telling the truth and unfortunately in all due respect as, as a lender um, i have to be able to to verify everything that i'm documenting with, with my name on it when i get you funded and you mm -hmm. telling me what happened to you is not good enough for a lender now maybe if you're like in a small township and you go to the local credit union and you and you know somebody there their their risk mitigation guidelines may not be as, as, as thorough they, they may not be as, as hardly conditioned but for the most part if it's not facts and data that i can pull from opinions at that point don't really carry a lot of weight oh man whoo that's that's a lot <laughs> that's a lot to take in like you know you, you hear about identity theft and you know people uh having to place fraud alerts and different locks on the credit profile and i know you kind of hit on it a little bit um so my next question was how long can you place a lock on your credit profile yeah um, so I, like i said i know you hit on it a little bit in the previous one but just uh, you know run through that again for our audience yeah sure thing Shannon. so you can put a freeze on your account for as long as you want to um experian equifax and transunion all three are going to give you some type of password or some type of um pin number to take it off now what i recommend you do because if you lose that information it's gonna be hard to get off um you mm. have to understand though that once you put it on there you can't apply for anything so if you go get a car you want to have it removed first uh if you go maybe get a job that pulls credit you want to have it removed first what i recommend i recommend you do is get an account all three bureaus that way you can log in and take it on off as you please so if you know, okay. hey, I'm going to get a car, I'm not sure if they're going to pull TransUnion, Equifax, or Experian, I really don't know. Log on real quick, unfreeze it, go to the car lot or go to the credit union and do your thing. If you want to, put it back on. Um, I have one on my credit now. Uh, someone somehow uh, during COVID used my information and filed unemployment insurance uh, on my name. Mm. And, and fortunately for me, the documents came to my house and, and okay. you know and i follow that same that same steps i filed i mentioned in question number one i followed the entire process just to ensure and i called my job too because i said because i wanted them to know hey that's not me filing for unemployment mm -hmm. insurance so yeah but you can put a freeze on there for as, as long as you want to for free gotcha uh we got a question here it says is a credit freeze enough to prove that fraud has occurred no it's not you um you have to ha actually have to prove that the fraud occurred so you you catch someone you the breach gets caught your family member may confess 
Uh, you, you, you can figure it out. You know, I had a client one time that lived in Colorado. No, that's right. They lived in Arizona and um, they finally pulled their credit out of nowhere and they had ski equipment that they had purchased in Colorado, but they didn't ski, you know. Mm. So backing into that, you know, figuring out the transaction date, the time, how they paid, called a merchant. You know, they used the card. So somebody had, had skimmed the card and created a fake card. Well, really a real card with their real number on it and use that card in a whole different state. You know, um, mm. unfortunately, identity theft is a business. Uh, people yeah. pay big money for social security cards and, and, and social security numbers and things like that. So it's a business. So you really got to be on, on top of it at all times, at all times. Definitely. Definitely. And I mean, even with the, um, the technology of the scammers, like it's, it's evolved so much. I mean, you have people that stick them on gas pumps. They're on ATM machines, like those little devices. Sometimes you just never know. Like, yep. you know, sometimes if, if it looks fishy, I'll pull on it, you know, while I'm at the gas pump before I even yeah. put my card in because a lot of them just attach right over top of the card reader and you'll never know it. You know, yep. you swipe your card and now it's out there on the web getting sold. Like you said, it's an actual business for, you know, hackers and people in that world. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so as far as really proving it, that you were a victim, you got to prove that you were a victim. I mean, you really got to have, once again, always called the the, the D man, the facts and data of who, mm -hmm. where they did it and things like that. Yeah, and I know it can be pretty extensive, you know, because I had a friend of mine that unfortunately had this happen and she actually had to go through getting a lawyer, actually get the security tape from Walmart to prove she wasn't any, you know, at that register at that time. Like it and it, it was pretty costly. It was pretty costly. Somebody had gotten her number and went on a whole shopping spree tearing up Walmart and Macy's in a state that she didn't even live in. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it can be a headache and I have, man. It can definitely be a headache and I have. And what they do sometimes is I tell people as well, watch your credit card spending, like go through your numbers, mm -hmm. because what they do is they might say charge a penny on there or two bucks. And it, if they see that you didn't report it and cancel the card, then then they may go ahead and start using it. Um, I was a victim one time. Somehow they got my credit card number and they just were buying gas cards in um, mm. Wisconsin. And they were just going from store to store to store, hundred dollars, hundred dollars, hundred dollars, just buying them. And I finally caught it, probably on the fifth purchase. Mm -hmm. Hey, yeah, that's why. Yeah. So another thing that a lot of people are dealing with, um, I think more now than ever, a lot of it due to the pandemic as well as having to file bankruptcy uh, for multiple reasons. You know, funding funds are different. Some people got laid off. People aren't bringing in the same amount, can't pay certain bills and bankruptcy numbers have gone up. Uh, so I want to ask, how heavy does bankruptcy weigh on a credit profile? Yep, like that's just how big of a red flag is that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, as far as the credit profile talking about, you know, numerically, um, the, your score can drop anywhere from 130 points to 200 points off, mm. you know, when you file bankruptcy. Uh, on top of that, Chapter 7 or 13 for individuals, uh, they can stay on your report up to 7 to 10 years. Um, chapter chapter 7 stays for 10. Chapter 13 can stay for 7 years on your credit report. Um, and, and that could be very expensive as well. That could be very expensive as well. Uh, from a, a lender standpoint, from, from, from my you know, if I'm sitting down back down, I put on my underwriter hat again. It's a huge red flag. 
it's a huge red mm-hmm. flag because I'm looking at you on paper. You know, let's let's remember this. And that's why I tell clients, don't do the bare minimum on your credit. So if they say you got to have a 680 minimum, don't don't walk in there with the minimum. Don't don't give them any reason to doubt your ability to pay. You know, why mm-hmm. why go bare minimum? So if I see a bankruptcy in somebody's credit profile, especially if it's recent bankruptcy, it's, it's usually automatic decline for, for what I do in my business. You know, someone mm-hmm. else, uh, a car lender may feel differently because a car lender, a lot of times they can shop you around. Um, they can charge you 20 plus percent interest. You know, they're going to make their money. You know, um, mm-hmm. my company, we're not trying to go through the whole process. Uh, a bankruptcy really as well, to me, applies to one of the C's of credit, which is character. Uh, it's telling me that you are not paying people or you didn't pay them. It says that you possibly are going through a hard time, which is another reason why you know I don't want to give you money right now. Because the whole reason to lend money is to get money back and interest and, and obviously it's payment. So that, that bankruptcy is a huge red flag to any lender. It, uh, chapter seven, even more so because a lot of times, chapter seven, you may have to sell some assets. You go through the, the court trustee and you try to liquidate assets to pay people back as much as you can. And then it gets eliminated. So you get a fresh start. Um, some lenders, especially if you if I was one of the lenders that you got let go in that bankruptcy, um, I probably have a bad taste in my mouth, you mm-hmm. know, uh, from previous business with you. Uh, chapter 13, that's a situation where you have a lawyer that you're working with to negotiate usually a payment plan of about three to five years over time to mm-hmm. pay back lenders and sometime in full. Some people just need that 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 extra help to figure it out. Some people are in disarray. And you made a good point talking about COVID, people losing jobs and people losing family members, you know. Um, yeah. And maybe that person may have been the breadwinner and not only the breadwinner, they may have been the, you know, financer of the family in terms of organizing documents. So now you got bills and you just lost and you just it just piles up and life happens to you. So um, bankruptcy is not always a bad thing. I think it shouldn't be in into um, loosely. You know, one of the things I was reading is that with bankruptcy, they give you a a, uh, a certified, basically certified credit counselor to talk to pre-filing just to figure out if there are other ways to help you out of this pro- this whole process because that seven year 10 year ding can stop a lot of growth in life on your credit um, and then when you get discharged sometimes people come out of bankruptcy with no credit and and the most important thing if you do file bankruptcy is you want to find alternative ways to build credit and i think we're going to talk about that later on but you know things like you know, security cards or self-lender, things that don't require credit pool or great ways to start immediately building credit um, on top mm-hmm. of that, that negative item. You want to start immediately adding positive history to that because if you come in to apply and all says bankruptcy and that's it, I have nothing else to make a decision on. If I see a bankruptcy, it's got a little age on it, but I see, hey, you got maybe three or four more accounts that you've opened recently. It tells me that you're being proactive um as a business owner or as a consumer now i may not give you the full extent of what you're applying for but maybe we can i can give you a smaller amount to get you started because i can also be a part of that process of helping you build your credit after you file bankruptcy nice 
Nice. That's what's up. So there you have it, people. Bankruptcy, it is a hit and, you know, it, it is a red flag. However, it's not the end of the world. You know, there are certain circumstances where people have to do it um, because there aren't any other options. And, you know, their, their head is too far under the water. They need something to help them get back above. Ladies and gentlemen, and once again. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Shannon. I want to kind of make a it was something very ironic. I was reading about. And, and bankruptcy, they they require you to, to go through credit counseling and personal finance management. Mm -hmm. Now, when I read that, I laughed. I'm like, now, if we did that proactively in school, middle school, high school, elementary school, a lot of people wouldn't have to even file bankruptcy. I was looking at some yep. numbers, too. Um, during, during the recession, 2008, 1.1 million people filed bankruptcy in 2008, 1.4 million filed in, in 2009. Um, now we're trending downward right now, but in 2018 and 2019, it was somewhere north of 700,000 people filing bankruptcy, mm -hmm. and we ended last year right around 544,000. Th and that's the mixture of chapter 13, chapter 11 for businesses, and chapter seven for individuals as well. But the overwhelming majority of those people filed chapter seven over chapter 13, which okay. means okay. they didn't have it. That like, yeah. there was no there was no ability to to reorg, you know. Um, they just had to just walk away from all that and start from scratch. So those who don't rebuild used to have a much harder time in life going forward. So if you do file, start the process immediately of rebuilding your credit. Definitely, definitely. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, this is the Successes Within Reach podcast, season two, episode 10, Finance and Credit Conversations with Jay Allen. We're about to take a short break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. All right. So the next question I have for you is what is the perfect uh, debt to income ratio? If there is such a thing, you yeah. know, when people go to get certain loans or they're just, you know, investigating their own profile, trying to see where their standing is. You know, you hear a lot from credit counselors or from financial advisors. You know, you need to, you know, uh, improve your debt to income ratio. So right. is there a perfect ratio or is there a perfect range that you want to be in? Yeah. So. Uh, I first define, you know, what that means for those who don't know. Debt to income ratio is essentially um, the percentage of your debt of your income. So if, if you have if, if monthly, so if you make five grand a month, just net, you know, uh, sorry, gross figure, then in your bills, household bills amount to, let's say, a thousand bucks. Your DTI is going to be 20 percent. So one fifth of your your gross income is, is going to be taken up by what we call household items, right? That's the that's the front end DTI. Back end DTI is going to include things like car loans, credit cards, other things that are reporting on your credit report. So most banks, especially for like uh, mortgage lenders, they they measure both your your front end DTI and your back end DTI, and they have a range. 
for your front end DTI, you want to keep it below 28%, which means that your mortgage payment should not be more than 28% of your gross income. Now, I say gross income because Dave Ramsey does not like that equation. Uh, Dave Ramsey prefers you measure your DTI based off of net income. Okay. Once you get, because you're talking about maybe your gross income is 10 grand a month after taxes, federal, state taxes come out maybe you know 401k comes out and you only bring home five grand well if you if, if you're measuring your dti off your gross income to me they can give you a false false security sometimes all right um and, and i kind of go into why i think that as well but the the back end dti you want to keep that under 40 percent. some say 30 to 35 percent for your back end right so mm -hmm. back end dti which once again includes you know, car loans, credit cards, things like that. Basically, anything a lender can see on your credit report is going to be in that back end number. Now, okay. What I want people to understand is when you go get approved for these big houses and things like that, the reason I like Dave Ramsey's approach in this particular scenario is because it's way more conservative. A lot of people are house poor; they buy it off more they can chew. You know, they, they they buy this dope crib and can't even put furniture in it, you know, yeah. because they're, they're they they look at the DTI numbers. So what I tell people to do is, you know what you're paying somebody monthly. So you the, the, the mortgage is obvious. The rent's obvious. Um, the car payment that can be seen. But the lender cannot see your other bills. They, they can't see maybe the subscription to prepaid legal. They can't see your your actual um energy bills so if if if, if you aren't budgeting and you walk in and get pre-approved for five hundred thousand dollars what your mortgage payment may be you know fifteen hundred and you're just looking at the dti on on the numbers that they can see you may go in there and buy a house that you don't need to have so you have okay. to know when you budget like what are you really left with at the end of the month not just what's on your credit report and these percentages, what are you really left with at the end of the month? Because in reality, you may only be left with a thousand bucks for your mortgage, but your DCI is saying you can handle 1500, but you know, you got some other bills out there that are not being seen on your credit report. So if you are on budgeting, that's already a bad place to be. And the overwhelming majority of my credit repair clients tell me, that they don't budget and i think mm. that's the foundation uh we overspend we assume we make emotional purchases and we don't plan for them and we're not budgeting so even with a good dti you have to know what's really coming out of your account every single month like mm -hmm. you have to be on top of that so but those are the ranges they want you to have uh, to get approved for like a mortgage or something like that Gotcha. Yeah, that, that definitely made sense to to look at it from the Dave Ramsey approach, because I, I can easily see how you can set yourself up, mis, you know, miscounting bills and things like you said that the lender isn't able to see. So yeah, that, that definitely made sense. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, so transitioning a little bit, uh, I know before we talked about business credit on other episodes that mm -hmm. I've had you on. Um, so this one actually came from our audience. Uh, the question is, what is the best way to begin building business credit? 
You yeah. know, a lot of people um, have started venturing into entrepreneurship for a bevy of reasons, you know, and business credit is one of those things that you need as your business goes along, mm-hmm. you know, unless you just out there balling and you paying cash for everything. Yeah. <laughs> but at some point you're going to need business credit for something. Yeah. You know? So what is the best way that they can go about uh, to start that process? Yeah, man. Uh, you want to look fundable on paper. You know, I, I say on paper a lot because a lot of times these lenders don't know you. They haven't met you. They're somewhere off somewhere else. They're just processing the loan documents. So you want to, you know, establish a legal entity, you know, uh, file with secretary of state. And you want to actually go on secretary of state first and search for the name that you want to have. So if, if you are, you know, Shannon Smith, you know, LLC, you want to make sure that no one in that state already has your name or for, for branding purposes, maybe no one even has anything close to that name. All right. Uh, at some point, you're going to need a website as well. So you want to go ahead and already check if the name you want is available and then is the website available too? Because if you get too far in this process, you got your EIN, you got your bank account, it's like, dang, I can't have my own web address because somebody already got my web address. You know what I'm yep. saying? So it happens a lot. Uh, that's a small tidbit. Uh, once you get your EIN number, you want to then go and get your business bank account. All right. So uh, I talked about first filing your LLC or, or either your INC. Um, that could be expensive if you're using an attorney. So a few alternatives that you can use are LegalZoom. Um, also, um, you got one called IncFile.com and Incorporate.com. All right. Those are a few sites that you can go to and create your own LLC business entity. It's important to get the business bank account next because I think a lot of people during this SBA time and these these loans for the PPP, a lot of folks were missing money because they weren't set up properly. And one thing that they didn't have set up properly was their business bank account. So once Mm -hmm. you establish the account, you won't start making deposits into the account. Even if that's you just transferring money from your personal savings account to your business account, even if, if you haven't started moving in that direction yet of actually doing business. Um, a lot of times what happened is the bank that you're with, the credit union will offer you a line of credit um, in conjunction with your, your actual um, account, your checking account, either a line of credit or they offer you a credit card. Uh, that was that was the case for my business. Went in, took in my articles of a corporation. They reviewed everything, got my, my uh, checking account set up, and uh, boom, I walked out with 11 grand um, on a business credit card that, that does not uh, show utilization on my personal credit. And that's really what helped us get our trucking business in motion. You know, moving okay. was, that, was that capital that, that came from the bank. You want to uh, also, you want to uh, get your business phone number. You know, don't if you can help it, don't use your personal phone number. You can use Google Voice. Uh, that's pretty popular. You can use Vonage. Um, you also go to what's called ringcentral.com as well as another tool to get that that, that phone service. You want to get listed with 411. And yeah, that's that's been around for a long time, but it's still prevalent. Uh, and you can actually do it yourself. Go to listyourself.net listyourself.net uh, you also want a viable address business address preferably not your home not a p.o mm-hmm. box um, if you need to get a virtual office 
Um, you, you can find virtual offices in your city by going to regus.com, R-E-G-U-S.com to find virtual offices in your city. Um, you want to get your DUNS number. So as you as you establish business credit, you want to start now building business credit. Dun & Bradstreet is one of the is the biggest business credit reporting agency. The second is going to be Experian and the third is Equifax. Um, there are more out there, but those are the top three that most lenders do use. Get your DUNS number. Once you got that going, you want to have your you want to get NAV, NAV.com. NAV.com is a, is a one location. You can check all three business credit bureaus at the same time. So you can log on and you can see your Dun & Bradstreet score, your Experian Telescore is, is what it's called, and then your Equifax score as well, all in one place. Um, also, you want to get a PayPal and or Square, not just for transactions, but they also offer business credit. All right, mm -hmm. if you get a business account, you can get five to ten grand from PayPal and Square at the same time. All right, so those are some ways to start establishing business credit from the beginning. Those are those net 30 accounts, net 60 accounts, net 90 accounts that are going to be the foundation to building business credit. If you're doing anything that involves driving, WEX, W E X dot com is great for fuel cards. So, like the flying J's, the pilots. They have cards as well. So these are all ways to get business credit going. But you want to check those boxes I mentioned earlier to look fundable on paper because um, I tell you once again, I'm always giving my perspective as a lender because at the end of the day, you got to go see a lender. So yeah. I tell my clients all the time, my goal is to, is to get you prepared to go see somebody like me, a credit analyst, the underwriter. Our job is to investigate. We are private investigators. I mean, we would dig. I go to your website. I will, I will Google your address, Google map your address. And people have tried to play us. They've, they've given us addresses that have, had nothing there, like just land or it was a wall. And guess what? I'm going to decline you. Oh, like, man. I'm going to investigate. And once I find one red flag, now I'm digging for more because now – you piqued my interest. Now I'm suspicious. And, and now mm -hmm. you have, to me, damaged the most important C of credit, your character. So now I don't mm -hmm. trust you with my money. So just do everything right. And I keep saying on paper because this is like your financial resume. You know, this mm -hmm. person that you they read, I don't know who you are. They're not going to know Shannon Smith is a nice guy. He, he bought his mama a house and he's a really he has a really good heart. It's about facts and it's about data. If yep. you can't prove it, it's not personal. You know? Yeah. The worst part of my job is having to call someone and tell them, sir, ma'am, you are declined. Yeah. Hey, but like you said, it's not personal. It's just business, you know? Yep. Um, one thing, you know, when it comes to getting business credit that I, I need people to understand please please don't abuse that you know you you think it's it's a game with personal credit and trying to get stuff off you mess up you know your business credit and get that red flag on like a dun and brad street or something like that it's gonna take your business a long time to recover 
a super long time. You know, if for those that get vehicles on on their business, you know, credit and whatnot, just keep it simple. You know, don't don't go decking out the car and putting rims and and the beast by Dre speakers in it and all this craziness. Like whatever you use your business credit for, keep it strictly to the business. Like these people do not play when it comes to stuff like that. They will flag your business in a heartbeat. Yeah. That's important too, Shannon. And one thing to also know and remember is that unlike consumer credit, there's no there's no fair credit reporting act. So business credit in some ways is like the wild, wild west. You know, there's mm-hmm. no there's no law set in place saying they have to remove this after two years or after four. No, they, they this is you have to build business credit with strategy, and like Shannon yeah. said, take it serious. Like, like this could change your life. And, and for those who have good credit, you're talking about sometimes being able, for example, if your highest personal credit card limit is 25 grand and you walk in with strong credit, good income, you may walk away with a 50 grand, 70 grand business credit card because they yeah. want like they, they, they business credit is, is, is to use, it's to be used, it's to be paid back. And if you do it right, your business will fund. I'm sorry. Your business will pay for that. You will, you, you will use the credit to build a business. The business will pay you back and pay off your card. Now you can do that again. You can leverage it. I mentioned earlier how you can get five to ten thousand from Square and PayPal. Well, the goal is to leverage that five to ten thousand to get twenty to thirty thousand to get forty mm-hmm. fifty thousand to get hundred thousand of funding. And now you're talking real real sexy to him you know so <laughs> yeah. talking about being in control and being empowered man and being empowered at the same time definitely definitely you know i've I've seen some people abuse that business credit and like i said it, it completely tanked their whole profile you know next thing you know they're trying to move you know say from a virtual space to a brick and mortar space can't get the funding or, you know, you just got this really big contract to do an event and, you know, you need the business credit to go and get the materials and resources you need. Don't have, yep. it. Nope. you know, mm-hmm. and then you got to use your personal credit for everything to fund your business. And now you've, you know, maxed out everything. Yep. It's not a good look. Nope. It's, it's not a good look. Like you got to take that seriously. Yep. All right. So on the same uh, note, I want to ask you, uh, how do you get business credit cards without using your personal credit? I know, you know, you touched on it a little bit with the previous question. Yeah. Uh, yep. But a lot of people have, you know, situations where they don't want to use their personal credit. They strictly want to use their business credit without attaching their social security number to it. Right. Uh, so just touch on that a little bit for me. Yeah, that's a that's a great question, man. Um, one place you can go to, excuse me. It's called five star. That's the number five processing. Okay. Mm-hmm. They do a soft pool in your credit. So there's no credit credit inquiry and there's no personal guarantee attached, but they approve you based upon your score. And by soft pool, I mean, there's no inquiry on your credit report. Basically, they just look at it. Just basically, they see your score mm-hmm. and they have what's called tiered pricing, which means the higher your score, the more they'll fund you. So a better personal score is going to help you in the, in this case, but they go down as low as the 400s too, if need be, in terms of proving people okay. for business credit. Because the whole goal is to get you in business, 
to get you moving and whatever that business is and then the business is generate income so your personal score becomes less and less of a factor because now your business is thriving by itself all right a second spot you can go to is divvy d-i-v-v-y uh get divvy.com they look at more so your banking data all right they're looking at more so like on like the, the the deposits of the business over the last 90 days and they're willing to fund you um off of that alone they may do a soft pool but no hard pool and it's all in your ein all right so get divvy.com d-i-v-v-y.com um this is a new one um charity charge card um charity charge card started off as a business credit card that was only for nonprofits, but now they've expanded into into personal accounts and business accounts. The only thing with with, with charity is they want you to be in business at least two years, or you have to put your personal guarantee in your personal credit to back up that loan. All right. So once again, a third option based on the business. Sam's Club. Sam's Club offers obviously a, a internal store card where you can use in Sam's Club so you can buy all your materials and things like that and office furniture chairs supplies but they also offer a business credit card a business mastercard all right um as well as Sam's Club that can be used elsewhere okay and then Brex B-R-E-X.com Brex wants you to have a hundred thousand dollars liquid in your banking account to fund you now the beauty of all five of these options is that you have options the next thing i, I want to point out is what you just literally heard just now was another sea of credit called conditions you just heard five different lenders provide you with five different ways to get approved based on their risk tolerance and their risk profile and i say that to say this lenders have to follow the same laws right they have to follow the same federal laws but when it comes to how they approve and condition loans that's totally based upon their risk profile what that means is if i saw wouldn't do it for you call divvy if Divi didn't work out for you, go to Sam's Club. If that didn't work out for you, go back and get the Square and the PayPal. Entrepreneurs, you have options. Mm-hmm. You have options. And you want to be in a position at some point where you can get all of these. You got the money on hand. You got the money coming to the account. If you need it, you have a solid personal FICO. You got your Duns built. You have your Experian building, Equifast building. Washington on nav right you're budgeting in your personal life you're budgeting in your business life because here's the thing you're going to take the same habits to your business that you have in your personal life Definitely. so if you don't budget now in your personal life with the money you're making you're talking about making ten thousand twenty grand a month coming in you don't know what to do you go ball out of control and you're going to get <laughs> out of control you know so yeah so you have options out there in terms of getting funded without using your personal credit and what i see changing shannon 
is now you have a lot of fintech banks out here that are popping up and they're growing and for those who don't know fintech just means financial technical so they're these are like these banks that are online uh moneyapp.com banks like that that can provide funding and they're not the traditional brick and mortar they're still fdic fdic insured but they find other ways to fund because they're the system of banking, I won't say it's broken, broken, but it's it can be harsh on you. It can be harsh mm-hmm. to be to be forgiven, you know, with you know overdraft fees and things like that. So some of these fintech banks are finding ways to fund you outside of the traditional underwriting. Now, they still have to mitigate risk. There may be a pool. There may not be a pool. There may be a cash requirement. There may be a collateral requirement, but. They're finding more ways to get to get it done. And I, what I would encourage consumers to do, business owners to do is before you apply a call, have the conversation. What do y'all pull? Dun and Bradstreet? Do you pull Experian? Do you pull Equifax? Do you have do I have to do a PG? Is, is there a minimum time I have to be in business? You can like you can mm-hmm. do all this stuff in advance. Yeah. And you can yeah. compare them. You might say, you know what? I'm not feeling these conditions, man. I'm going across the street. Several options. Several options. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, man. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Successes Within Reach podcast, season two, episode 10, Finance and Credit Conversations with Jay Allen. Uh, we'll be right back after this second break, uh, brought to you by Breakthrough Kings. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, so now we're going to transition back to the consumer side of credit. Um, now that we've covered business credit, um, a lot of people are in the process of rebuilding their credit for multiple reasons. Um, and, you know, they're trying to find out what is the best avenue to go in that rebuilding process. Right. Uh, so I want to ask you, what are the best cards for those rebuilding their credit? I know there yeah, are, that's you a, know, thousands yeah. and thousands of credit cards out there, but which ones are specifically for those trying to rebuild their credit to get them started on the right foot? Yeah, that's a good question, Shannon. And I'm going to lead in with a, with a, 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 um, a nugget and, and some encouragement. We keep using the word build and rebuild and build and rebuild. Be patient with this process on the business side and the consumer side. Think about the word rebuild or build and make that word into renovation. When you think about renovation, there's a process that takes place. Things have to be torn up, torn down, repainted, restructured. So first of all, be patient with yourself. Now, the best cards or the best systems to rebuild credit or ones that do not usually pull credit. Uh, that way it's not a, a ding on your credit profile. Um, Chime, C-H-I-M-E.com is, is, is a great tool, a great card to start to rebuild your credit. Um, they, they they don't pull credit, and uh, you can use Chime. Um, Grain, G-R-A-I-N, is a digital 
secure card that you can just basically download the app on your iPhone or your Android. And there you have your grain card, grain.com or go to the uh, Apple store or the Android store and purchase, or it's actually free. The uh, grain G R A I N app. All right. Um, Self lender is one that I'm always talking about. Self lender is actually an installment savings account that reports to all three credit bureaus um, at the same time, like it's an installment loan. All right. Um, 15%, I'm sorry, 10% of your FICO score is comprised of your credit mix. So having the revolving, having the installment is, is, is starting to help you build a solid credit profile as you as you want to lend later on on bigger purchases um first progress is the is the security card that my company offers once again i think it's a minimum of 200 deposit up to i think 2000 is the maximum on that card that you can use as well uh that's a security card that's not poor credit um and then on top of the self lender self lender will eventually also offer you their credit card as well because you paid them well on the installment side and they know the money's coming in and they'll trust you with a um with a credit card as well in about three to six months time of doing business with, with them right and then uh for one uh is the pedal p-e-t-a-l pedal visa this card is more so for someone not trying to rebuild credit because they will pull your credit so if you have negative items in there it's going to go against you but it's for someone that maybe has no credit at all all right okay. this is someone that maybe is new to it pedal visa is a card that has no annual fees uh, if you have credit they pull it if not then they can't pull it and they still will approve you obviously a good credit profile is going to be to your advantage but if you're zeroed out with no credit then once again they can approve you with that card and uh speaking of no credit uh from a, once again from my perspective as a lender not having any credit at all can be just as bad as having no credit i'm sorry it's having bad credit because mm -hmm. we have to make decisions off of facts and data and there's nothing there to make a decision off of sometimes you may get declined as a result okay okay great list um so this uh next question that i have for you is also a question that came from our audience um the question is is there a credit card company that makes your profile look better than others you know um does say having an american express carry more weight than a mastercard or does visa carry more than discover you know things like that so is there a particular company that makes your profile look better because maybe it's harder to get or you know they're a little bit tougher on credit yeah um american express is, is hard you know they and they underwrite their own loans which means that if you get an american express card american express is the one that that underwrote that loan um a visa okay. mastercard that could be a, a macy's that could be a you know any brand card you're not really sure who's behind the scenes there american express is usually tougher to get approved for in most cases they they're a little bit more thorough in their analysis um a little bit less giving when it comes to funding so when I was doing underwriting, I saw a Amex card in someone's portfolio or their credit file. They used to have good credit. I mean, it's hard to get an Amex card. Amex is, is not, they're not soft. They don't mind saying no. 
And and one thing as lenders that we look for in someone's credit profile is what, is what we uh, consider to, to be or what we call comp credit. So comparable credit. So I would consider American Express to be one of the top lenders. And if okay. one top lender lend it to you, then it makes me look at you a little bit deeper if everything else matches that after I see that car. So, you know, um, if I see that you got American Express and I see, boom, you paid this person good, you paid all the other lenders good, all right, this person is, is definitely someone that's serious about credit. Um, American Express also offers a lot of perks. A lot of businesses use Amex cards and they pay for everything that they can and they pay it off. And then at the end of the year, they live off those points, you know, yeah. but once again, that takes a amount of discipline, like you mentioned earlier, not to play with that because that can also ruin you because because Amex also has no problem cutting you off either. Yeah. And if you get Amex, you want to read a small print. And sure, you want to understand if you got a charge card, from American Express or a credit card, a charge card means that. There is no carrying a balance. That entire balance is going to be due each month. And my first card was a charge card. And I didn't know what charge card was. And I ran, I ran it up and I got the bill. They were like, this is all due. I'm like, man, where's the minimum payment? Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, education the hard way, you know? Yeah. So, so um, yeah, ensure you understand what you're getting from them. In terms of credit but i think amex is definitely one of those cars that when i see it it's usually attached to, to someone that's credit savvy good deal good deal yep. hope that answers uh you know that question from the, our audience member all right and as we wrap up here um i want to ask you uh what are some good books for learning how to leverage your credit you know yeah. um knowledge is is always golden man and you can't read enough you can't learn enough especially when it comes to your finances and budgeting and your credit uh yes, so sir. what are some good books out there for our audience to check out so they can improve their knowledge base absolutely so the first one's going to be i would say um secure the bag by rod wilson rod talks he starts off talking about the basics of budgeting and, and things like that and then he moves into credit talking about how to leverage it how it's used properly um credit is king it's another great book that I, I even give it to my clients. Um, Will Rancher does a great job just breaking down the basic credit fundamentals, how credit works, how to leverage credit. He also goes into business credit as well a little bit. And then a great book, man, uh, is Ash Cash, What the FICO. I mean, Ash Cash breaks down credit in a way anybody can understand it. He breaks down uh, consumer debt laws. He breaks down mm -hmm. the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And if if you're savvy enough, he also gives you letters to write to dispute your own credit if need be. All right. And then Tanya Rapley um, does a great job here in, in, in the money manual because Tanya has a, a website called MyFab, F-A-B, MyFabFinance.com. And she's constantly pouring out financial information that gets you financially literate and, and empowered. This book talks more so about money management. And like I said earlier, I think that is a huge foundation to building good credit is really having that budgeting tip, you know, under wraps and secure. Mm -hmm. 
That's what's up. Great list, man. Yeah, I can definitely, definitely, definitely uh, vouch for that Ash Cash book the, with the FICO, man. That's an amazing book. Uh, that that guy, when I tell you he knows the, the whole credit and finance game, forward, backwards, diagonally, the whole nine yards, man. Dude is just a guru when it comes to that. You know, uh, matter of fact, you know what? I'm going to do something. Everybody that's watching right now, uh, if you put uh, number three in the chat, I'm going to select somebody and I'm going to actually send you that book with the FICO. If you're interested in rebuilding your credit uh, or just building it, you know, from scratch, improving your finances, improving your credit score, uh, drop the number three in the chat and I will select someone after the show and I will get that book out to you because that that is an, it's just an amazing resource that you got to have. All right. Before we uh, leave, uh, my brother, I want to thank you again for joining. As always, you come through dropping gym after gym after gym. Uh, I want to allow you this moment to, you know, let the people know how they can get in touch with you. Also, how they can contact you for your services and helping them, you know, fix their credit and fix their finances as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I am. Um, I'm Jay Allen on Facebook. On Instagram, I am at J83 Allen. I can be emailed at info at Allen Financial Solutions dot biz. And my website is Allen Financial Solutions dot biz. Good deal. Good deal. All right. So now we're on the transition to this week's mind shift moment. Um, you know, as we talk about people rebuilding their finances, having to rebuild their credit and their profile and whatnot, um, it can be a scary thing. Uh, so this week's mind shift moment is fear and faith both have something in common. They both ask us to believe in something that we can't see. Uh, one more time, fear and faith both have something in common. They both ask us to believe in something that we can't see. Uh, you can choose to live in fear and be plagued by what by the what ifs or choose to walk in faith and understand that sometimes you'll win and sometimes you'll learn a valuable lesson, but you can't choose both. In either case, you'll have to live with your decision and face what comes after. So choose wisely. Remember, when writing the story of your life, never let anyone else hold the pen. Be bold, be strategic, be original, be productive and make your next move your best move. And that is this week's Mind Shift Moment. Uh, once again, this has been the Successes Within Reach podcast, season two, episode 10. I'm your host, Shannon Smith. Uh, you can catch me, uh, myself, uh, and the Successes Within Reach podcast here every Thursday at eight o'clock at www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. We're also streaming on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, and many more platforms. And with that, I say, remember, you weren't designed to be good. You were designed to be great. And I will see you next week. Later.